crazy. I give some advice. I talk about different topics. This is gonna be fun to say like ever. Hello, my name is Silly Gabbert, and today I have a very special guest with me. My name's Jasmine Miller-Price. And how long have we known each other? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, I've (laughs) known you since you were a baby. Really? Baby toddler. Yeah, because I remember meeting your parents before Cyan was born. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so a while. How did you meet them? I met them when I was working at Back Porch in Bend, Mm -hmm. because your parents lived kind of walking distance away. Mm -hmm. and they'd come over, and you'd be in the stroller, and sometimes both of them would come, or sometimes just one would come, and they'd work or hang out, and we just became friends. And then I started going over to watch The Walking Dead, Mm -hmm. which was a zombie show that was on TV at the time. Yeah, (laughs) and that was really fun. And then we just somehow now have been friends for 11 years, 10 years. Yeah. So wild. <laughs> yeah, very special. All right, so today we're going to kind of, I have a new game called the Netflix game. It's just a random game I came up with. And then we're going to kind of talk about Jasmine's job, which I'm excited to learn about. But we're going to go ahead and just, let's just get into it. Sounds perfect. All right, so we're going to start with this game, and I'm going to show you the cover of, like, four or five movies, and then you have to kind of guess what they're about just by the cover. I'm so excited. <laughs> so this first one um, is 47 Meters Down, for oh, the people who are okay. listening, which is everyone. It's like a shark. Mm-hmm. It's like a shark movie with, like, a girl. Yeah, with a woman's body suspended above it, and that shark looks like it's coming for her. So mm-hmm. I would guess that... Like, this poor lady has been having a really nice time on the beach with her friends, and they got into, like, an argument, and she was like, you know, I'm tired of this, I need to go, like, get in touch with myself, I'm gonna go swim on my own, Mm -hmm. and so she's out swimming, and then unbeknownst to her, she's hunted by this truly giant, (laughs) like, shockingly giant shark. Terrifying. Yeah, and it looks like... She's, it's not going to go well. I I hope she survives, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. So do you want me to tell you what the movie? Yeah. You were pretty close. I, this movie is terrifying and I got my grandma to watch it with me and she was like so scared. (laughs) So you were pretty close. Um, it was a group of girls who like went to the beach Yes. and they decided to go underwater and they decided to like go scuba diving and they get trapped underwater with like this, these big like great white sharks they get trapped underwater they get trapped underwater oh gosh. and then basically here's a spoiler alert do you want me to tell yeah you, i okay. want you to tell me i won't see it okay so there's like six girls and then only two of them make it out in the end because they all get eaten oh my god it's really no. scary. it's a really scary movie wow and you watch it with your grandma i did i watched it the first time by myself on my tiny ipad so it was just wow. like terrifying yeah but then the big screen tv with my grandma was also very scary yes even though you'd seen it before wow mm-hmm. okay all right this next movie is the perfect date here is what the cover looks like okay so this to me looks like these two people that one of them i'm gonna guess the gal had like some kind of event to go to And she didn't want to go alone, so she, like, recruits someone, maybe from her past, or, like, a friend of a friend, 
to be her date because he's really nice and really friendly. And before she wasn't into him, but then they go to the event together and uh, then she discovers, oh, I am into him. Like, what a great guy. But -hmm. then there's a fight or something. She finds out that he doesn't like her favorite band or something, (laughs) some sort of blow up. And then they they get back together. Mm-hmm. That was almost, like, exactly what the movie's about. Really? You're really good at this game. But <laughs> basically, yeah, this girl, like, doesn't, not into him, but she has, like, a dance, and her parents recruited a friend of a friend Perfect. to go with her. Wow. And they don't like each other. They want nothing to do with each other. And then they end up, like, falling in love, and then they get in a big fight, and then end up getting back together. Wow. <laughs> so you were really close. I watch a lot of movies. I can tell. I feel like I've been prepared for this, even though I didn't know it was coming. All right, this next one is um, a remake of She's All That. It's He's okay. All That. So I'm, if you've seen She's All That, I yeah. feel like you can kind of. So I am curious what, like, the sport would be for him to be like, yeah, I have to join this team in order to get, like, recognized and to, like, really excel in this sport. At least that's what I remember from She's All That. So I'm going to guess it's, like, uh, and it would also have to be something where his body is pretty covered. Or maybe it's not a sport. Maybe it's... Maybe he's a chef or a baker. Mm-hmm. You have such a good poker face during these. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying impressed. really hard. <laughs> um, okay, so here's my guess. My guess is that he impersonates um, being a woman because he wants to go to, like, baking school. He makes really elaborate, like, cupcakes, perhaps. And... He is worried that he, like, won't be accepted or that people will make fun of him. Or maybe it's a women's only program. And so he enters the program and does really well, but then someone finds him out. And then there's a catastrophe, but then he finds out that he can still be accepted for Mm -hmm. being who he is and being a baker. Mm Mm-hmm. So what this movie's about is it's, like, this girl and her friend, like, dared her to see, like, if she could, ma- like, transform this guy. Oh. So he doesn't know that sh- he's being transformed, oh. but they end up falling in love. Oh. And then he finds out that she was, like, only met him and talked to him on this dare because he's, like, kind of, like, he's a photographer and he kind of, like, not that popular at school. Oh. So um, she, like, tries to transform him and give him, like, a glow up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that it was a dare. Oh and heartbreaking yeah he gets mad at her and she's like keeps trying to apologize but he won't listen (laughs) and then he ends up going to prom with her though oh so that's kind of what it's about it ends on prom (laughs) (laughs) does it end well it does end well okay great okay the next movie is i haven't i'm like two out of three so far yeah you did really good on the first two this next one has the same guy as like last two he's in everything but this is sierra burgess is a loser Okay. This one's, like, harder to gauge, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. So this is a high school movie. Wow, I cannot tell what's happening here. (laughs) But I'm going to guess that it's, like, maybe these two gals are friends. I also don't know which of them is Sierra. Sierra is that one. Okay. And, like, she's the more popular girl. Oh, okay. Okay, so... Um, Sierra and that fella in the middle have been, like, close friends 
since childhood for like their entire life. Mm-hmm. And they just finished like their freshman year of high school, which was brutal for both of them. But then over the summer, he really has a glow up. And that's mm-hmm. when the popular girl in school is like, oh my gosh, look at you, look how cute you are. <laughs> and is trying to like turn the whole school against Sierra, who is his actual best friend and the one who's been there for him. And he gets confused, just like anyone would be when suddenly mm-hmm. you have all this attention. And at first he kind of rejects Sierra too, but then he realizes that Sierra is his best friend and the one who really wants what's best for him. Mm-hmm. And so um, then he he turns it around and he and Sierra, even if, I don't know, maybe their relationship remains platonic. They just stay friends. But um, that's my guess. That was like pretty close compared to like how hard this uh, cover is. Yeah. But basically, Sierra Burgess is like, no one likes her, which is sad. Um, But then this guy gets asked, this guy decides to go and ask out the more popular girl. Uh And she like, he's like, can I have your number? So she gives him a number, but she doesn't want to know him. She wants nothing to do with him. So she gives him her number. And they kind of just text online. And he thinks he's texting her, like the popular girl. Yeah. When it's really Sierra he's texting. And then they, like, plot together because she wants, like, to get back together with her boyfriend. But she's, like, not smart enough in school or whatever. So those two get together. And she helps her. And she helps her. Wow. Like, band together. So what is interesting about that is that, um, so her name is Sierra. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a play on, I haven't seen the movie Cyrano, but it's based on a book mm-hmm. um, called, I think it's Cyrano, like the Bergiac or something like that, mm-hmm. about this man who is, I think he's kind of like smaller in stature, like not stereotypically beautiful, mm-hmm. and he falls in love with this beautiful woman, but doesn't know what to say to her, mm-hmm. and so he enlists the help of this other guy to give him the words to say to her. Oh, um, and then the other guy and the, the lady fall in love, but she doesn't know that it was actually this other guy. I think I mixed up some of the plot points, but it sounds very yeah. similar. That's cool. It's a good, it's a good plot line. Yeah. All right. This is the last one. Okay. And this one, um, is called Purple Hearts. Okay. Oh, okay. So we've got a couple, uh, or like a bunch of, um, like, soldiers on a train kissing a lady. Well, only one of them is kissing a lady. <laughs> and looks very passionate. So, and Purple Hearts, like a Purple Heart is the award yeah. for someone wounded in action. So, I would guess that it's this story about, like, this, I think, soldier. Looks like army mm-hmm. gear. Um, He is in love with this woman and he goes off to war and writes her letters and he gets wounded but she gets wounded too because she misses him and they find that even though like a lot of the like military world is about like power and like puffing yourself up and being tough Mm -hmm. they find this connection through their tenderness Mm -hmm. like through the wounds that come in life and not through like power and strength and they look like they're going to be happy in the end. I'd like to believe that. Mm-hmm. So basically what this movie is about is they both need 
love, like, they both need to get married, because one of them's in debt, and another of them, I forget why the guy needs to get married, but they both need to be married, Mm. so they end up, like, faking this marriage. Oh. So, they don't love each other, but they, like, need to be married, so they, like, end up faking a marriage in, like, staged letters and stuff like that, and he goes off to war, and she has to pretend, like, to be all sad when, like, they don't like each other. Oh. And he gets wounded and can't walk. And she's, like, the only person that can help him, like, walk yeah. and stuff like that. So they, like, end up falling in love, and they get married. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. For, for real. Oh. Do they do another wedding? I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. I could see them doing, like, a an after, a delayed after party that's, like, now mm-hmm. we're really in love. Yeah. But they actually end up, like, having a real marriage in the end. Wow. <laughs> all right. Those are all of the Netflix movies I have. That's such a fun game. I know. I want to do it more. Yeah. But I feel like it'd be kind of boring by myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll have to try. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we can... We'll keep talking. All right. So now we're just going to kind of talk about your job, which is going to be cool. You have a very cool job. Do you want to Thank tell, you. tell them what it is? Yeah, I do. I get to be a hospice chaplain. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about what hospice is. Because mm-hmm. um, there are kind of some misconceptions that make hospice sound really scary or like it's bad news. And it's true that it is often really hard for people and for their families and hospice does kind of remind us that that death is a part of life Mm -hmm. um and hospice means that someone is get a lot gonna get a lot more care and a lot of support and their family is gonna get that support and that help too Mm -hmm. because i think it's important to remember that death is a part of life and again that's that is really sad it's really hard to adjust after losing someone and hospice doesn't make that come any sooner um, or any later but it does help someone ideally be more comfortable and have more support Mm -hmm. so it would be someone's physician their doctor who would say you know based on this disease that you have or um, the way someone's health is declining, um, like if, yeah, which could be for all sorts of different reasons, but they would say, I think hospice care would be really appropriate right now. So that would Mm -hmm. mean that they aren't getting other treatment for their disease. So they wouldn't go to the hospital anymore. Um, but they would get to stay where they are and where they receive care. So for some people that's in their home and they have family members or friends or they're able to pay people to come help take care of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they could be in uh, like an assisted living facility or retirement community um, where they have some help and support there. Um, And then the hospice team, so they would get a nurse, a CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant, and they help with, like, doing nails sometimes, or even, like, 
helping trim hair, trim a beard, or helping with showers or with baths. Mm-hmm. A social worker and uh, me, a chaplain. Um, and so they get this whole team of people. I like. Have you ever seen Queer Eye? A little bit of it, yeah. So Queer Eye, there's this whole like really fabulous um, group of men that come in and just kind of surround this person with love and with support in all these different specific ways. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of think of hospice like that too, where yeah. there's this whole team of people who are surrounding this person and their family in their own specific ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so me, as a chaplain, I'm there to support whatever is important to that person, to my patient, and to their family. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people might be Catholic, and so I could help contact a priest to come see them if they want that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're Christian, and they want to read the Bible with me. They want me to pray with them. Sometimes I'll sing hymns with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very good at singing, but I mm-hmm. still try. And for lots of other people, especially in like the Portland area, they're not part of any specific religion or faith group. And for those people, and often for other religious people too, Mm -hmm. I just get to sit and listen to stories and to try to make them feel like they're really valuable. Like even even though things are really different for them, like things Mm -hmm. are changing, things are different, things might be really hard, um, but that doesn't mean they aren't still able to find ways to connect with other people and mm-hmm. ways to feel like their life is meaningful, even though it's different. It can still be really meaningful. Yeah. And that's been a really special way to spend time with people. I know I feel really lucky to get to just come into someone's family during this really kind of tough time and hear these important stories and offer that support and I'm just a stranger like they don't know me but Mm -hmm. because I'm a hospice chaplain I get to come in there and that feels really good yeah that's really cool you probably I feel like that's a really cool way to like meet people too Mm -hmm. and like you get to hear a lot of cool stories from people's lives yeah I feel like that'd be that'd be a very cool job yeah it is very cool it's cool to see um kind of some of the details that make make up who someone is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of those things might take a really long time to learn just with your friends because we don't often ask, like, really deep questions or, um, like, spend enough time with someone to know sometimes maybe what's most important to them. Sometimes we just do, like, day-to-day stuff or talk about um, day-to-day things. Uh, but knowing, yeah, how important, um, again, like faith is for some people, like how calming it can be for them to hear a prayer, Mm -hmm. um, or to have someone come in and sit with them and, um, ask them questions about their childhood or, um, what they enjoy doing and really 
because asking questions, you know this as an interviewer, asking questions mm-hmm. is one of the ways that we communicate value to someone yeah. and to what someone does. Um, I really like getting to help communicate that value to people because often, and you might see this um, in some ways with like maybe your own grandparents or other people you know that are older um, or elderly, that when when someone isn't is able to get out of their home on their own or it's just harder for them to move around the world because their their ability has changed like their their body's ability has changed um or they might be sick um, or just more tired it can feel like oh if i can't do all the things that i did before like what purpose does my life have Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people feel really sad and I think it's, it's totally appropriate to feel sad. And, um, just because things are different doesn't mean everything's over. And so it's very, very sweet and very special to get to spend time with people, um, and communicate that value to them and help them work through, if they're able to work through, what it is that has like brought them to hospice care because some of them are facing like a really serious diagnosis and having having less time left in their life and helping them think through what is most important to them are there any um any tasks like anything that they feel is unresolved that they need to take care of um do they have any letters they need to write to friends or family to communicate their love and their care? All of those sorts of things are really, again, really an honor to get to work through with some people. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've like learned a lot of lessons from people's stories that you've yeah. reflected on your life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I feel like I feel really, again, I feel really lucky to get to learn from them. I think one of the most important things that I've learned. So I had a, I had a guy who had, um, worked really hard throughout his life and had done well and had saved a lot of money and, um, was still feeling at the, at the end of his life when he was on hospice care. Um, he would talk a lot about how he felt like, like he was just wasting his money now, um, on his own care And he felt like he should have saved more money or done more or that all his work had been kind of wasted. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard, hard to hear and hard to work through with him. But what I, what I learned is that having, having enough and being, finding a way to be grateful and to be content is not really related at all to how much money you have or even to like what kind of um, place you're living in, but as much more how you feel within yourself and with, within your heart and your own mind. um, That's where you decide that something is enough and that you can be grateful um, because this poor guy, he still had a lot of money left and he felt like, like it wasn't enough. And, um, 
I think he did feel more of a sense of peace before he did, he did already die. Um, and I think he was able to feel kind of proud of himself through our conversations that he had saved so much and would be able to leave some to his family. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was also such a lesson to me of, yeah, it is important to work. It is important to save money and having money at the end of your life is not what will make you happy. Mm -hmm. It's more, um, what is your maybe kind of attitude about money, but also like, did you enjoy your life Mm -hmm. and are you able to accept the changes as they, as they come? Cause change is inevitable for everybody. Um, and I think it can be really helpful for us to try to embrace change and to not push it away because really there is no pushing it away that only brings us more pain. And so I saw him really pushing away the changes that had come. And um, I think that it definitely didn't make him happier. And I think when he was more at peace, he was more able to accept um the way the way his life had unfolded and that he did his best and the rest was outside of his control mm-hmm. do you think your job is kind of like just finding closure mm. and like kind of making sure everything's like when they do pass away that their lives are kind of like finished and they feel really at peace with what they've done yeah as much as possible and I think it's really important to me to um, to try to step out of, out of the energy of, I'm going to come in and fix this for you, or I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring <laughs> all the answers because mm-hmm. I can't do that. I'm just a person. I was a barista. Being a barista is great, <laughs> but I don't have like hundreds of years of life experience to be able to be like a fountain of wisdom for someone. Um, but I do come in and I kind of assess, like, where is this person at with the the ending of their life coming? We never know how soon, but um, how are they, how are they coping? How are they handling this? Do they have um, people and spiritual practices and um, other things that help them make meaning out of what's happening? Like, can they find experiences of joy or enjoyment? Do they have a sense of peace? Um, Are there things unresolved? And then try to help them do their work. So sometimes I think I just come in (laughs) and take up some space and ask the questions Mm -hmm. that just give someone else an opportunity to realize, like, oh, yeah, like that person, my sister, is really important to me. And all we do is fight on the phone. Mm -hmm. And that isn't how I want our relationship to end. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, on our next phone conversation, we might still fight, that's okay. But I'm also going to say, hey, I really love you. I really appreciate who you are in my life. And I don't know how many chances I have to say that to you. So I'm going to say it now. And then she felt like so much more at peace. I'm thinking now of a 
particular person I had mm-hmm. that conversation with once she was able to like really take a, take a step back from the things that did make their relationship tense, just like they are in any relationship at times. Um, she was able to think about what was important to her and what she needed her sister to know. Mm-hmm. And that was really special and I think helped her feel more prepared for the end when it was coming because she knew um, with like that relationship in particular that she'd said what she needed to say. And I don't know that she would have um, had that conversation if we if we hadn't talked about it. So that does make being a chaplain feel pretty serious. Like not everything is up to me, of course. And when, when time is short and the things we're talking about are really important, I do want to use my words well and use my questions well to try to foster that peace, like you said, and foster that closure and that acceptance um, so that someone is able to see the work that they need to do mm-hmm. and feel supported in doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. It sounds like... How do you kind of, like, would you go to their um, home or where they like to be? Mm-hmm. That's cool. And yeah. then you have, like, do you have, like, a certain team that you would work with, or is it, like, different every time? So I work with um, a whole, like, different handful of nurses mm-hmm. um, and a few different social workers, and I'm um, in kind of, like, a big area around Portland, um, all in Oregon. But, yeah, I get to go to where someone lives Um, and often, like, sometimes we'll get to, like, sit together in their living room, but often I'm just, like, pulling up a chair by their bed, or if there isn't a chair, I'm just kneeling by their bedside, and, um, and talking to them, and being, being friendly, being warm, Mm -hmm. being validating of whatever feelings they share with me, um, and sometimes, um, my patients have dementia. Are you familiar with what dementia is? Yeah, mostly. Yeah, so it's when, it's kind of a big blanket term for when um, when someone's cognition, so their way of thinking and their memory becomes impacted. In, and that can happen in um, different sorts of ways. But um, it can make talking with someone hard because they could use like lots of words and say full sentences, but they aren't able to um, have a conversation like we are, like follow like one idea mm-hmm. through to the end. It'll kind of be more like, what are they doing over there? Is it lunchtime yet? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Mm-hmm. What are they doing over there? Is it lunchtime yet? Mm-hmm. Where are we? Kind of just sometimes cycling through different things or ping-ponging between questions or sometimes just saying things that um, I can't make a lot of sense out of. Mm -hmm. And um, that can be really, like, totally understandably really hard for families, for someone to be really different than they were before. And maybe even some of your listeners have have someone in their life who has dementia um, and it can feel really, really sad and really hard because it's like you're losing the person before they actually die because Mm -hmm. 
they're not able to talk to you in the same way that they would before. Um, they're not um, themselves in the same way that you knew them before. And I think one of the important things that I get to do with those folks is like I get to come in and be a responsive and supportive presence for them. And sometimes we just color together. Sometimes we listen to music. Sometimes we dance. Mm. Sometimes we, sometimes they'll have like stuffed animals or even like baby dolls that they just want to hold. And I'll just hold a baby doll alongside them or like scratch their back. Um, Kind of whatever their ability is, I'll meet them there. But then I also get to talk to their loved ones, their family members and say, hey, I got to see so-and-so today. Like I got to see your mom or I got to see your grandpa today. He seemed really comfortable. Like I didn't notice any, any pain or any distress. And we'd got to connect through walking in the garden and listening to 60s country music. Mm-hmm. Um, because my thing, like I said earlier, is that just because things are different doesn't mean there isn't still a way that we can connect, mm-hmm. um, that we can find um, something meaningful to do together. And for some people um, who, if their disease has really progressed a long way or um, because of their dementia, it's really hard for them to make any sort of, like, even to say words. Sometimes they can't do that. Um, but we can still hold hands. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really good, too. I think it's important to, like, be in touch with your own feelings when you're working with people that have dementia or people that are close to death, because lots of feelings do come up. And um, also to know that what that nothing that's happening is um is bad it might be really difficult um and probably will be in it and it'll bring all sorts of feelings but being able to stay in touch with those and stay in touch with that person um are really good ways to take care of of both of us through it Mm mm-hmm do you think when they kind of, like, speak kind of, like, in their own little sentences, mm-hmm. do you have to kind of, like, learn how to, like, what matters the most and, like, what they want to, what you, like, what they want to know the answers to the most? That's a great question. Um, so sometimes, yes. I think sometimes someone will, um, like, use, like, kind of confusing words or confusing phrases, but I can tell like through their tone of voice or what they're gesturing towards, like, oh, like you're using words and you're talking about like watermelon, but um, you're pointing over towards um, like the outside, towards the garden, and you seem to like light up when you're looking by the door. Would you like to go outside? Could we go outside together? And they might say, yeah, all the cats are out there and there Mm -hmm. aren't any cats out there. But um, they're, they're communicating what they're able to. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes someone will use, like, really particular words or phrases and kind of knowing, knowing what those are and when they use them is really helpful for understanding what they're actually trying to communicate. It's like a, maybe like a secret code. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that's absolutely true. And sometimes 
um, learning what someone is still, still able to connect with. That's a really um, special experience. I do a lot of like walking up and down hallways holding hands mm-hmm. because um, they aren't able to like have a full conversation. Oh, there's one lady in particular. I like her so much. Someday she'll haunt my dreams in the best <laughs> way. She wears these really cute glasses with rhinestones on them. Mm-hmm. Precious. And I remember <clears throat> one morning I went and I was visiting her and I said hello and I was sitting by her. And when I'm talking to someone, I'll kind of like, I'll touch their arm gently or I'll put my hand on their shoulder. I'll try to make eye contact with them and I'll say their name and I'll say my name and I'll say, I'm so happy to see you today. How are you? And this lady that day, very focused on her. I think she was coloring at the time and she didn't really look at me. She didn't really make eye contact. And so I sat there with her for a while and I talked a little bit and I was quiet too Cause I always want to leave space for someone else to talk. And sometimes, um, when someone's, um, especially like an elderly person, when their cognitive ability, their thinking is just a little slower, mm-hmm. it just takes more time to respond. So I try to never pack so many words in that there isn't room for them. Um, but she wasn't really saying anything or looking at me. And so I sat there for a while and then I said, you know, I think it's, I think it's about time for me to go. I'm, I'm happy I got to see you today and I'll come back again. And then she stopped and she looked after me and she's like, do you have to go now? Aww. And I said, well, well, no, I, I could stay. Would you like me to stay? And she said, I'd like you to stay. And I said, okay. Aww. It was really sweet and was such a like good reminder that, um, just having someone near you, having someone pay attention to you, even if you're not talking, but having someone's comforting presence be with you, that even Mm -hmm. that just means a lot and means more than I know. And so I really like treasure that reminder from her that, um, because she was able to tell me how much it meant and that I I knew that staying was important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to keep that in mind with other people too, that even if they aren't able to use words to tell me, that being there with them is still really important yeah I heard something that if like somebody's talking or saying something before commenting or asking follow-up questions you leave 15 seconds in Mm. between so they can like it's like to like kind of catch up with their thoughts I heard that you like leave 15 seconds yeah Um, I think that's a really good rule of thumb mm -hmm. and I think is really good practice too I like the idea of even counting those seconds because sometimes especially in like the world today when there's so much to listen to so much to do so much going on all the time it can you can feel really nervous if Mm -hmm. it's quiet like oh no I have to say something it can't be quiet but having that understanding that 15 seconds is a good amount of time to let someone else catch up Mm -hmm. then instead of being nervous you can just count yeah that's what I do (laughs) yeah that's a great that's a great skill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break um, to catch up with our thoughts, <laughs> and we'll be right back. Take your 15 seconds. Exactly. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Chaplain Jasmine, and I just wanted to give you a little intro 
for if you were to meet a chaplain out in the world and if um, you needed some help. So you might meet a chaplain in um, the hospital if you or someone you know or love was in the hospital or if they were on hospice care or um, sometimes out in the community. Sometimes like there are police chaplains and fire chaplains um, that work with people, but a chaplain is really there for you and for what you need. So if you felt really overwhelmed or really stressed, you could ask the chaplain like, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed, really stressed. Can you just help me, help me calm down? Can you just help me take some deep breaths? Can you, um, help me help myself? Mm -hmm. Um, if there was something that you were really worried about that you wanted to talk through, um, a chaplain wouldn't be able to answer all of your medical questions because they're not doctors or nurses, but they could help you kind of process through what's happening, process through your feelings, and help you maybe find what your questions are for a doctor or for a nurse, um, or um, help you come to a sense of peace, like Sailor already talked about, a sense of closure. Um, and um, if you were like worried for someone else, um, you could ask the chaplain to help them too. And if you are from um, any sort of specific uh, religious or spiritual community, the chaplain is there to either help um, help facilitate you doing whatever is important to you, whether that's burning sage or praying or um, confession or any other sort of practice. And if that chaplain isn't able to do it, then they are able to connect you with um, resources out in the community. So they could call a priest or a rabbi or an imam or a pastor for you mm -hmm. and help make sure that those spiritual and religious needs are met. And when you meet a chaplain through hospice or through, um, oh, also I didn't say at the beginning and I should have, hospice care is free. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't, it doesn't take the place of like the nurses or caregivers where someone might live. It isn't like 24-hour care. Um, but it is like nursing visits and CNA visits and like my visits are free for mm -hmm. the patient and for their family because it's paid for by Medicare. Thanks, Medicare. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but if you were to meet, so a hospice chaplain or a hospital chaplain or a chaplain out in the community, um, it won't cost you anything to talk to them. They're, they're part of the hospital community or they're part of these other organizations. So if you need that extra help and support, know that it's not like like calling a, a therapist and then you're going to get a bill afterwards for talking to them. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those services that is um, kind of part of being at the hospital or part of being, um, or of getting those services in the community. Mm -hmm. I had a question. I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> um. 
keep talking. I'll, I'll okay, remember. great. <laughs> um, yeah. And if you, like, talk to a chaplain and find that they're just not a good fit for you, um, like, I'm, I'd love to believe that I'm just, like, a great, like, I'm a perfect chaplain for everybody, but that's just not true because we all have different mm-hmm. needs, different personalities. And so if you had a chaplain on your care team or if you were trying to talk to someone and they just weren't a good fit for you, you can ask to talk to another chaplain. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's one of your, one of your rights. Um, cause I, and I think hopefully all chaplains out there want you and your listeners to get the support that they need from a chaplain if they want to talk to a chaplain. Um, and it's important to know that if something isn't working, you can ask for something mm-hmm. else. Um, are you, like, ever offended if somebody's, like, I want to talk to a different chaplain, or is it just, like, kind of inevitable? Oh, I forgot the word. Inevitable? Inevitable. <laughs> um, I think it is inevitable that there will be people who just don't want to talk to me, mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think, like, for me as a chaplain, sometimes it does hurt my feelings. Sometimes it does feel like, oh, like, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Is there something else that I could have done? But for you and your listeners, like myself as a chaplain, that's just one of my like job hazards. And um, I fully accept that and am ready to cope with it mm-hmm. and would much rather someone say what they need than try to protect my feelings and and keep talking to me even though they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it is... Yeah, it is tough if someone doesn't want to talk to me, and that's part of the training of chaplains, too, is learning how to recognize my own feelings and what's going on for me. Be like, mm-hmm. oh, they might just need to talk to someone else, or they might not want to talk to anyone right now, and that's okay. That's not about me. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, I can I can move on and um, try to just be of, of service to the next person. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's, like, a very selfless job and it's, like, you can't really, do you have to kind of go in it with it, go into it thinking, like, not about you, it's about this person? Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, no, and in some ways, yes, it's a selfless job. I think it is really important to know that um, and to remind myself, like, I'm in the room for this person, not to get what I need but mm-hmm. to try to help them get what they need. And it's only possible to do that if I know where to go to get what I need. Because every person needs support, needs someone to listen to them, needs someone to advocate for them, needs help. Um, so it is not appropriate for a chaplain to look for that help or that affirmation or that support from um the patients or people that they're offering care to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is really important for for anyone in a helping profession, really, but maybe particular chaplains, to have their own sources of support, to have a therapist, to have friends and family that they can be honest with, to have um, practices that help them take good care of themselves. Um in order to make sure that that my emotional needs are met 
so that I have something to offer to others so that I am able to be focused on others Mm -hmm. um, and not come in with my own cup already empty trying to like pour something up for someone else because then it just gets really Mm-hmm. really tough and really exhausting and it's easy to burn yourself out if you aren't taking care of yourself it's kind of like the saying like if you're in a plane and the masks drop put yours on before you put your kids on or someone else's yeah. on yeah because if you're trying to put it theirs on you can't breathe yes exactly and i think that is a really great image um even just for understanding relationships with other people because By putting your own mask on, first, you're not saying, I am more important than you, um, or you don't really matter to me, so I'm going to just take care of myself first, but more so, I, or in addition to, maybe not more so, I, I know that as a human, I have limitations, Mm -hmm. and in order to, like, live with those limitations, I need to make sure that I can breathe before I can actually be helpful to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something good and something important and I think is a good lesson for life that um, it is important to be selfless at times and to take care of other people that we're in relationships with or that we're wanting to offer care and support to and that we can't just neglect ourselves in doing mm-hmm. that because ultimately then, like, we'll crash and burn and we'll need someone to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Thanks for giving us, like, a little intro to what that kind of is and, like, what it looks like. Yeah, I'm happy to. I um, hope if I uh, meet you in the context of being a chaplain or anyone else that it's good circumstances and if there is something hard happening for any of your listeners um know that chaplains are out there as a as a potential source of support for you Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for coming and talking we'll kind of we'll take a break and then we can kind of close it up perfect all right so we're gonna finish this episode with um a game that i actually played in the mother daughter episode and it's word associations I think I said that right. <laughs> so I'll say word like octopus, and then Jasmine will say the first word that comes to mind, um, and then I have to go off that. So do you want to start? Okay, yes, I do. I'm going to say um, pine tree. Hawaii. Beach. Swimming. Sharks. 47 meters down. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> Uh, grandma. <laughs> that's weird, but that's only because I watched it with her. Oh, yeah, because you watched it with her. <laughs> I see how that could sound weird, but. <laughs> okay, your turn. You pick a word. Okay, um, calendar. Appointment. Doctor. Surgery. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Donation. Grape juice. Cookies. Chocolate. Peanut butter. Sandwiches. Milk. Cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Warm. Dirt. (laughs) Mud. 
pig. Bacon. Ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great at this game. <laughs> French fries. Grilled cheese. Tomato soup. McMinimins. <sighs> Sleep. Sleep. Pillow. Blanket. Dark. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> All right, you're trying to start a word. Okay. Um, rainbow. Unicorns. Fields. Trees. Forests. Green. Elves. Waldorf. <laughs> Waldorf? Yeah, it's the kind of school I go to, like, Waldorf school. Oh. Do they have elves there? There's just... a lot of gnomes and elves and... Oh. Yeah, it's very... Okay. Um, school? <laughs> <laughs> Homework. Papers. Pencil. Books. Homework. <laughs> Computers. iPad. Button. Switch. Bright. Um, rainbow. <laughs> Bright. <laughs> Full oh. circle. Yes. I feel like it always just ends up going back to itself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on to today's episode. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Sayla. It was fun to talk to you about my work. Always happy to do it. And, um,. Way to go on having these conversations about things that people don't normally talk about. Yeah, I'm glad you could. I'm glad I could learn about the job because I've like heard a bit about it from you. Yeah. But I was like, I'm glad I could learn more about it and see what it's about. Yeah. So thanks for coming. I hope you can come again. Thanks. Yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody.